Hello and welcome to Faculty Focus, a special new podcast series from Harvard Divinity School where we speak with HDS professors about their courses and research interests. I'm Jonathan Beasley. Today's guest is Teddy Hickman Maynard, who is Associate Dean for Ministry Studies and Lecturer on Ministry here at Harvard Divinity School. Dean Hickman Maynard has more than 20 years of ministry experience, serving in roles as Senior Pastor, Youth Pastor, Minister to Men, and Minister of Worship. Currently, he is an Associate Minister at Bethel AME Church in Lynn, Massachusetts, where his wife, the Reverend Bernadette Hickman Maynard, is the pastor. Thanks for listening and joining us today. Let's jump right into the interview. Thanks for joining me, Dean Hickman Maynard. I wonder if we could start the conversation with the course you're teaching this semester, which is Introduction to Ministry Studies. Could you tell me what the structure is like and how you plan the class lessons? We have a lecture day, we have a studio series day where it's like an interview, a series of interviews, and then we have five small group sections and I'm leading all of it. And also the lectures are the first time through, so that's hence the late night. Every time I'm building a new class, the night before my lectures, I, I can't sleep. I'm tinkering all the way up until go. So that is happening now. Next year will be lovely because it'll all be in the can and I'll just have to <laughs> you know, replicate and trim down. But the first time through, just trying to figure out and calibrate what I want to say versus what they need. And I like to leave a lot of room for experimentation and play and responsiveness. So it's not, I mean, there's a plan, but it's not all scripted because I want to be able to see what's going on with the students. And it's, they're very different. There's 63 of them and there's probably 30 to 40 different pathways that, that, that they represent. So it's not like you can have one sort of way of talking about things and hit everybody. You have to, you have to really think pretty broadly. So for that reason, the beginning of the semester has been really tough, but rewarding because I think, I think it's working. I think it's working. So that's fascinating, and you kind of hit on this, but what is, at, what is at the heart of the course, and what are you really hoping that students take away from the course at the end of the semester? So, you know, curricularly, the goal is simply to give MDiv students a, a solid foundation for understanding both the MDiv program, but also understanding how they are going to navigate the choices and the different movements that are that are encapsulated in that program. So there's a curricular structure to the program. So there are distribution requirements. All MDiv students have to take 12 courses that in some way fulfill either scriptural interpretation or histories, theologies, and practices of a tradition or traditions that they're focusing on. That's a pretty wide <laughs> range of stuff. I mean, within that, you have students who are studying certainly any one of the religious traditions that are identifiable, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, you know, uh, Buddhism, and so on. But there are a lot of students whose tradition, if you will, is no tradition at all. Or there are students who are, uh, you know, multi-religious in their identity. Or there are students who are, who are none, who, who don't pursue the idea of uh, vocational discernment from the perspective of any religious tradition. And, and so they're designing their degree program around a particular kind of work, whether that be peace building, whether that be humanitarian work, whether that be uh, racial justice and healing, 
There's a whole host of environmental justice is one, gender and sexuality studies, and, and they, they may not have a particular job in mind, right? But they have a calling. They have a calling to a particular way of entering the world and using what they have to do what they can to make the world a better place. And we conceive of ministry pretty broadly as service, service to humanity, service to the world. We're an institution that hopes to prepare leaders who will help seek peace with justice. I mean, right, that's in the HDS mission statement. So we have these these structures, but because they're so expansive, we want to allow MDiv students to go about those choices from a place of confidence where they can understand how they are integrating theory and practice. I have another question really about the learning experience of students at HDS is is what you're talking about sort of you know giving them those extra tools and really allowing them to sort of be set up for success and not just intro to ministry studies which we've been talking about but these mm-hmm. other classes as well is that what is that part of what makes the learning experience unique for for students at HDS on the one hand it's hard to answer that question because every student is going to feel different about the educational experience on the other hand, it's also hard to answer because of the diversity of our faculty, right? Every faculty person has been trained so differently. You know, we used to have departments at HDS um, long before I got here, right? But probably about 15 years ago when the curriculum changed over from kind of a classical Protestant Christian curriculum where there were three areas of study. There were basically, you know, Christian texts and traditions, and then there was sort of systematic theology and ethics, and then there was a section called world religions where you studied everything else. Well, that didn't fit the multi-religious, interreligious nature of our student body or the multivocational interests of our student body. So that curriculum was abolished, and the new curriculum that we have now was instituted where every student gets the center themselves, their own, their own tradition and their own experience. But along with that came the abolishment of our departments because our faculty was too diverse to be held within the old traditional departments of, you know, church history and, you know, biblical studies and systematic theology and so on. So we have faculty now, most of whom are interdisciplinary in their work. So they might be a professor of history of, you know, Hinduism, but that same person might also be an ethicist. That same person might also do ethnographic work. Or on the other hand, you might have an anthropologist who is here as, you know, professor of XYZ studies, and they're an anthropologist, but they're also doing deeply theological contemplation and construction, right? So every class that students take is different. And what that does is it it creates a situation where students can sometimes have a feeling of whiplash, where every room I walk into, I'm being asked to come to to accommodate myself to a completely different and sometimes innovative pedagogy because our professors are pushing the boundaries so much that even the way they are teaching their classes may not be taught that way by anybody else. They're not even just replicating what they've been through as PhD students. They're now doing new things in their field and trying to do new things in their classroom. So Even if you have a professor who you feel really comfortable with and say, that's the kind of person I want to study with, and I really vibe in this classroom, the the, the methods that are used are right down my alley, the books we use are right down my alley, that feeling is, you know, you may only get one or two of those a semester. The other two are probably going to stretch you and make you feel uncomfortable. So 
there is a sense in which the one thing students share in common is that at any given moment, just about every student is going to feel uncomfortable and a little out of place and a, and a little bit marginalized, right? Because as I said before, we're actually trying to build a curriculum for which there is no center. So when there is no center, everybody feels marginal. <laughs> and, and, and I think that that's a reality we, we have to, to contend with and not pretend that that's not there. We can't pretend that that's not gonna impact students, not only intellectually, but also spiritually, emotionally, relationally. So the more that we can prepare students for that, then they can actually engage that feeling of, of, of discomfort as a gift. So now instead of something that, that crushes you, it's something that stretches you. Now instead of something that confuses you, it's something that excites you because now you're getting a chance to um, not only be int introduced to content that maybe you didn't think you were interested in, but ways of engaging texts, communities, social realities, relationships, ways of thinking about the world that are expansive and immersive. And every class is going to ask you to do that in a different way. So you walk away with a kind of meta, a meta experience where, where you, you, you do have to step back and look at how all these different modalities are, are coming together to form what is your own, you know, perspective on the world, on yourself and on what you may one day do with all of this. Um, I think that is the, 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 the experience that I would say is common. <laughs> the common experience is one of being stretched and being a little bit uncomfortable and, and, and using that experience as a way to, to, to find parts of your own, you know, your own thinking that you didn't know were there, so to speak. Let's take a very short break before we rejoin Dean Hickman Maynard for the second half of our conversation. If you enjoy what you're hearing, I encourage you to subscribe to Harvard Divinity School wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested in learning more about Dean Hickman Maynard and his work, or you want to know more about HDS, our faculty, students, and degree programs, check us out on our website or follow us on social media at Harvard Divinity. Now, let's get back to my conversation with Dean Hickman Maynard. I want to turn the spotlight a bit on you and to ask you, what, what does a day in your life look like as Associate Dean for Ministry Studies? And I, I know we're already running um, a little short on time here, but so perhaps we can even narrow that focus a little bit more to um, what's your day-to-day -day engagement look like with, with students? Yeah. So certainly during the fall semester, my engagement with students is primarily through Intro to Ministry Studies. Uh, I'm teaching uh, the course, all 63 students, and this semester I'm actually also leading all of the small group uh, workshop sessions. So that's, you know, a lecture every week. We also have a studio series that we're running every week, which is like an interview style session where we bring in different members of the community because, you know, it's actually an opportunity to introduce them to the rest of HDS and do so in a context where people get to let their hair down. So they get to talk to, you know, Dean Hempton and Dean Gatso and Dean Bartholomew in a different context. They get to talk to a professor or an alumni. So we do those two. And then there are five small groups throughout the week where the students are workshopping with each other, their ministry projects. So I lead all of those as well. So that's a big part of my engagement with students is just running that class. Secondly, my regular job is 
to administer the MDiv program. What that means is I have to approve all of the curricular decisions that students are making that don't conform exactly to what's on the page, which, which means that for most MDiv students, they're going to have to come talk to me at least two or three times over the course of their curriculum because every MDiv student is pushing the boundaries of the curriculum, every single one. And following up on that, I, I, I do think it's worth reiterating that all of this work that you're doing really is for the benefit of students. And I, I think it's remarkable, you know, the energy that you have and, and the commitment that you have for the work. I did want to take this opportunity here at the end uh, to talk about one of your research areas, if you don't mind, about trauma-responsive congregations and trauma theology. Could you just explain what exactly that is and, and why this area of ministry is so compelling to you? So a number of years ago, myself and one of my colleagues at Boston University School of Theology, Dr. Shelley Rambo, who actually, she's taught courses at Harvard Divinity School uh, in the past as well. She is a constructive theologian, but her work led her to thinking about theologies of trauma and her work in trauma as a theologian led her to a lot of conversations with chaplains who are trained in trauma responsiveness, but not just the technical, clinical, you know, tools for dealing with people who are recovering from trauma, but theologically, how do you help people work through the spiritual and theological dimensions of trauma? Trauma does not just affect the body, but it affects the mind, the soul, the spirit, your self-conception. And trauma breaks us in many ways that are not seen. And in working through trauma responsiveness, both theologically and practically through the clinical training that chaplains get, what we discovered was, not discovered, but what we really were concerned about is that while chaplains get all of this training for how to work on helping people with trauma, congregational leaders actually have to do this work on a very regular basis. Oftentimes, a local congregation, whatever the you know religious affiliation may be, is sometimes people's you know, easiest source of support when they've been through something pretty dramatic. There are also forms of trauma that are communal and systemic. So just working with particular populations may mean that your your everyday work as a congregational leader is trauma response without carrying that name. And yet most congregational leaders, even if they've gone through an MDiv program and have a degree, maybe they took one class on spiritual care and counseling. They are not as trained in trauma responsiveness, both practically, clinically, but also theologically. When you're dealing with people who've experienced trauma, how you talk about the ultimate, how you talk about the divine, how you talk about ultimate meaning should be responsive to the kinds of things they're working with. And a lot of times, thinking they're doing good, thinking they're helping, congregational leaders may say things like, you know, well, don't worry, you know, in my tradition, we will say, uh, you know, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, we're trying to rush people to to the to the point where they feel better. And in doing so, we actually minimize their current pain and prevent them from being able to come to us to deal with that pain. So the grant project that we applied to the Lilly Endowment, they had a project called Thriving Congregations. And we kind of flipped that around and said thriving is usually defined in in sort of economic terms of like vibrancy and numerical growth and all these other things. And we said, what if a congregation that was thriving was a congregation that was actually equipped to deal with people's pain? 
And we we started that grant project to uh, recruit congregations that were interested in having that conversation, to put them into contact with theological educators and chaplains, to start having a conversation between the academy and congregations, between chaplaincy and the work of congregational leadership to see if we can find new models and ways of thinking about trauma responsiveness that would work in the congregational setting, but also feed back to, to schools of theology and divinity schools to teach us how to teach that differently, how to teach it better. So when we do work in trauma, we're not just teaching to the clinical side of chaplaincy training, but we consider congregational leaders as the audience for trauma theology and trauma responsive religious education. So that's what that work is about. And it's it's ongoing. It's wonderful work. I did, however, have to drop out of the project last week because of all the work I just told you I was doing. I had to I had to step down as as um, as co-director of that project, but um, still very much appreciative of the work that they're doing over there. And even though I'm not a part of that project, it does consume my mind when I think about the work we do to help train MDiv students, because so many of them are going to be going into areas of work where they're going to be working with people who are at their lowest, people who have just been crushed by various structures and systems of inequality or by interpersonal relational harm. And so it is uh, an area of, of research and work that I'm still engaged with because I want to bring it into the classrooms here at HDS. Such important work. And I know, you know, just having seen what appears to be such an uptick in the interest of students and, you know, particularly those pursuing chaplaincy in that, that area as well. So thank you for, for laying that out and describing that. Boy, this has been fantastic. Thank you, Jonathan. I, fe I feel like we could honestly go on for like another two hours, but we won't. <laughs> but we won't. <laughs> My thanks to Teddy Hickman Maynard for giving us an inside look at his role as Associate Dean for Ministry Studies. This is the second interview in our new Faculty Focus podcast series. Again, please subscribe to Harvard Divinity School if you haven't already so that you never miss a future episode. And don't forget to visit our website or follow us on social media if you're interested in learning more about HDS, our faculty, and the student experience. Until next time. <laughs>